Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is Friday the 13th, uh, 2019, and it is a pretty interesting um, Friday because uh, we will be able to have the harvest moon up. Uh, so the harvest moon is up, and everyone can see it. It's a full moon, um, a moon like this hasn't happened uh, since 2000. Today, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, the party of cannibalism and fanticide and fake uh, terror of climate change. I mean, we're going to talk about that today. The democratic debates, we're going to talk about that too. The hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. And they want to impeach because uh, they don't like them. Seriously. I don't know how that's going to work. That's going to be quite difficult to make it work. Right, guys? I I mean, everybody has to agree on that is just incredible uh, that they even think that that is something that is impeachable. I don't like you. I will, um, you know, impeach you. I, I think the liberals have completely lost their mind and if Nadler pull his pulls his pants any higher he's going to choke himself you know i haven't seen pants that high ever <laughs> ever so what do we start with i mean should we start with um yesterday's debate like i was watching it and it was it, you know who won that debate yesterday hands down Hands down, who won that debate, you guys? It was Donald Trump. President Donald Trump won that debate, and he didn't even participate. Why? Because they all were insane. Cory Booker even said he's going to create a new department, a department of white supremacy. Like, what? I like Marianne's idea. What was it? The pink one? The department of love? Or what What did she say it was? Something, something fruity, anyway. Um... I wanted to tell um, you guys that watching it yesterday was more like comedy than anything else. Uh, I sat down, I had my little yogurt, my fruit, and I was like, you know, let me chill out on my new couch, which I just got, um, that I got on Labor Day on a steal. Uh, and I was trying to watch it, and I couldn't believe that there were like the questions weren't even questions. This one um, question was like, oh, yeah, and whole story about El Paso, you know, didn't mention the fact that the El Paso shooter was not what, what did they call white supremacist, right? 
nothing like that. Just totally divisive, totally everything. And then it was like, answer, the, we're going to take away your AK-47. I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, who are they talking to? What kind of idiot voters are they talking? What kind of people are listening to this and saying, yeah, I can't fathom it. Seriously. Joe Biden looked like he was on some speed or high because he was grinding his teeth um, and it was very subtle. And a lot of people are like, whoa, his denture went. No, he didn't. So I myself don't hide the fact, right, that when I was younger and I, you know, I shouldn't really admit it because I was working (laughs) at the time uh, in a zero tolerance zone, but whatever, I'll say it because I own my stuff, right? What are they going to do? Come at me 20 years later. So anyway, um, the first time I realized that such a reaction happens was when I tried drugs. I, I mean, I did. Okay. I was a kid, you know, I, I, I did my share of stuff. And I remember the first time I tried ecstasy in my life and I was in Europe, I was at a rave and I remember looking around to the person next to me and saying, um, I'm not liking this at all because I feel really energetic and I keep running everywhere. I'm like, guys, I was running everywhere. This doesn't work for me. And they're like, that's the point. So you can dance at this rave. I think it was Germany or Holland, one of the two countries that I was in. And um, I went to the bathroom and I was trying to like calm down. I felt like I needed to run a marathon like right then and there. And I didn't like it at all. It was, it was, it was not a good try. So I'm telling you from experience, if any of you young listeners are listening here, don't try it. I mean, you know that ecstasy used to be MDMA. It is MDMA, but it was supposed to be a diet drug. No, duh. You can't sit down. You literally want to keep moving. So anyway, I noticed that my mouth wanted to move too, not by talking, but it was just like shifting ever so slightly. And some chick in the bathroom who spoke very broken English handed me a roll of toilet paper that had some toilet paper. I didn't even speak to her. I was just standing there, you know, by the sink, just trying to whoosha and be like, okay, I can control this. You know, how every idiot does when they get too drunk or whatever. And I stuck a roll of toilet paper, the the whole roll with the cardboard. She like showed it to me, like put it in there. So I did it. It felt really good because my teeth didn't move. That is what I saw on Joe Biden. And I'm speaking from experience. That is how his mouth moved. It wasn't dentures. It was a reaction to some highly potent amphetamine type medication. Could that be Adderall, Ritalin, you know, to keep him focused because he kept digressing, you know, other times. You saw a different Joe Biden yesterday. He wasn't as spaced out. He wasn't as slow. Um... And, and he was very intrusive. He was very hyper. And on top of that, he had a nip and a tuck. This guy looked like he had just, he and Pelosi probably went on a dermatologist, as they call it in Beverly Hills, date. They, they, they're both, you know, pulled back, you know what I mean? And tight and flat and wrinkle-free and young and fresh. Could it be that they were you know, buddies, when they went in dates, it's like everybody got facelifts um, these past two weeks uh, in Senate, Congress, running for office, you name it. I mean, even Castro, who I didn't even know was a candidate. I thought he was a, like a, a seat filler. <laughs> when I saw him on the stage, I was like, wait a minute, who's that? Who's that seat filler? Oh, he's actually running. He got new shoes to make himself just a little bit taller. So it was like a weird 
vibe that all of them were giving off on stage, but specifically Joe Biden, because he was high on something. Could it be adrenochrome? Could it be Ritalin? Could it be Adderall? Could it be ecstasy? Which I highly doubt. Um, But he was on something for sure, because he looked fresh face. His cheeks were pink. His eyes were pulled back, not as back as Pelosi's as we saw Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. Who is her plastic surgeon? Fire him. Um, he was a different Joe Biden and a Biden that was ever so often coming out as someone that was remembering that, oh yeah, I do serve the people. So maybe I should defend the constitution. Uh, you know, sometimes he was saying things like, did Joe Biden just defend the constitution? And that specific moment was when we saw um, Kamala Harris, you know, kind of nicely tell Joe, hey, Joe, it's my turn to talk. Shut up. Did you guys see that point where a question was addressed to Kamala Harris, but Joe Biden just took the floor and was like, yep, I'm going to answer that question. Let me tell you. And she was like, hey, Joe, so like... Maybe we should say, yes, we can't. You know, that really cringy, pun intended, Obama slogan. And listen to him say, that's not constitutional. Things. When he says he can do it by executive order, does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can. Many things you can't. Let's let the senator answer. Well, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying, no, we can't, let's say, yes, we can. (laughs) Let's be constitutional. We got a constitution. And yes, we can. Did you see that? So he's like, well, you know, some things you could do as executive order, says Biden jumping in. Some things you can't. And then he's like, let the senator answer. And she's like, hey, hey, over there. How you doing? Oh, so like, yeah, let's say yes, we can. And he's like, uh, we do have a constitution. And it's like Kamala Harris supporting authoritarian rule by executive order. And Biden is like, mm, we have a constitution. And it's like, oh. You woke up. I mean, you've been in office since the 70s. So, I mean, some of it by osmosis has gotten into that head of yours, Biden, right? To say, okay, maybe, um, maybe, yeah, maybe we should follow the Constitution because we have one. I mean, this is the ridiculous show we were watching. Um, Yang, again, parading around that he's going to do another test run that a lot of people were like, oh, that's he can't give away money from his campaign uh yeah he can actually because it's part of his campaign and he's giving these people money to have a year of hey you're getting free money now tell the world how that thousand dollars helped you it's a campaign uh, campaign thing so for people that i saw tweeting out even verified account oh he's just going to give away free money that's illegal it's not it's part of his campaign and he's been doing it Okay, where he's giving to different families that are super poor, that are kind of poor, that aren't even poor, that extra thousand dollars. So that way he can have a detailed story to promote his idea and convince people this is a good thing. The thing he's not telling them is you're not really going to get that thousand dollars. Maybe after eight years of me, if technology has picked up, if we can force all these companies to get rid of workers, because that's the only way you're getting this thousand dollars, then you'll get it. He doesn't make that you know, the fine print, you know, it's that fine print that he won't go through. But, you know, nevertheless, he said he was giving everybody money, you know, and why not? That's his spiel, right? That's his hook. So um, it's, um, it's pretty insane on that end. Let's, uh, you know, Beto, 
I can't believe people said this was his finest moment. Take a listen. I am. If it's a weapon that was designed to kill people on a battlefield. If the high impact, high velocity round, when it hits your body, shreds everything inside of your body because it was designed to do that so that you would bleed to death on a battlefield, not be able to get up and kill one of our soldiers. When we see that being used against children and in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15 year old girl who was shot by an AR-15 and that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa and Midland. There weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used again. I am, if it's... He's crazy, first of all. Second Amendment is to bear arms for exactly that. War. And it's not war just against the enemy of our nation. And it's not war, you know, with aliens, right? It's war with the government that has too much power. That is why we have the right to bear arms. We have the right to bear arms that when he says he's going to be coming into your house to take your guns and you get shot if you don't give them up, that's when you use your Second Amendment. That is exactly why it was written in. When the government has too much power, that is when you have it now reasonable citizens like myself and most of my listeners of course understand that guns are a right and if you are afforded that right because you are a citizen that exercises that right you know when and when not to use your gun someone steps into my house to rob me rape me kill me kill my kids set me on fire they get shot now if i choose to have a hollow point bullet or not that's my privilege because either way they're getting shot because i have the right to defend my house and my kids right i know that i can use my gun to go out hunting Yes, I can to go out and walk about and feel like I'm secure. See, unlike many people, right, that are telling us that they want our guns, everybody has that right. Think of it this way. Think of the guy who is getting up at 2 a.m. at your local, you know, shop, to stock it with donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, right? They make the donuts, they make the coffee. They're there at like two, three in the morning working. And they're going to work and everything. Do you think that that person that's going to work at three o'clock in the morning, say in Los Angeles, you know, or San Francisco where it's filled with poop literally on the floor and needles, do you think that they have the right to defend themselves as someone, you know, tries to jump them, rob them, kill them, attack them, rape them, whatever? Of course they do. But see, the residents in San Francisco, like Pelosi and other politicians and superstars, they don't think that person is as important as them. See, they're allowed to have guns. They're allowed to defend themselves because they're somebody. You are a nobody. This is why we have the Second Amendment. Because it's those people that think they're somebody and that everybody else is a nobody that will trample on the rights of the people. So Beto is like really off, off 
completely off. And there was a tweet that went out where some person was like, yeah, come and get my AK-47 or my AR-15 and you'll get shot. Um, that is exactly what the Second Amendment kind of says, but doesn't use AR-15, AK-47. It just says, you come for my guns, you come to violate me, you get hurt. That wasn't a reiteration. Pretty bad one because you don't want people thinking, hey, if authority steps into my house, I'm just going to riddle them with bullets because that's not the way it works right? You do that when you're sincerely under threat. Okay. That is what, uh, the NRA teaches you, right? Because the NRA are lobbyists. They're lobbyists. They don't sell guns. They lobby to make sure that we are able to maintain our rights. They're also a very important component to the second amendment because they offer classes, they offer education, they offer safety, like most of this new safety stuff they have for weapons. Cause you know, I have kids, obviously they're older, right? One's like, um, One's 13. The other one, you know, is obviously serving our country. So obviously an adult. Um, They uh, give some safety clips, new ones, new ways, guns. I mean, you know, I have my kids reading the magazine that I get in the mail because it's it's got so much information. And, you know, I actually want to take up bow hunting, totally random. Um, and I think I saw something with bow hunting in one of the issues that just passed, maybe past six months. Because, you know, I like skim through my magazines when I'm in between commercials and I don't pause the TV, you know, to fast forward and stuff. Um, I usually look at them because they sit on like my um, coffee table in my living room. And... Um, I was like, this is so much information for people that love the idea that they can protect themselves. They love to go hunting. They love the sense of security and it's independent security means I don't depend on Joe Schmo or calling 911 to help me if I'm in my bedroom and someone breaks in, but I feel secure because I'm knowledgeable. I've taken classes. You know, I would be totally for a hundred percent that Every single child, you know, that goes through high school from the ninth grade, I would say, till the 12th grade, that they take at least a couple of hours of gun training every year and gun training, not just how to hold the gun or or um, clean it or take it apart, but to actually learn the responsibility that comes with it. Because if we train our children to respect weapons like that, to respect the idea of being afforded the right to defend themselves independently, meaning you're not dependent on another. It's kind of like how I'm jealous of some guys. So My daughter, my eldest daughter's boyfriend is super handy. This guy can undo engines. He can fix cars. He can get on a roof and fix. He's like super handy. I'm super jealous because I'm not that handy. I'm not the type of person that's that independent that if there's a hole in my roof, I can climb on it and figure out, well, I could probably do it if I have to, right? But it won't be good. Or if I put up a shelf, right? I'm banned in my house from using hammers by my husband because I don't understand. I used to not understand the difference between a screw and a nail. I would be hammering screws in the wall. So I'm not handy. That is a independent skill that I envy. Well, why not give our children, our youth, right? independent skills to know how to defend themselves, teach them self-defense classes, teach them how to use weapons, teach them how to clean it, teach them how to be responsible, independently secure 
adults when they go out into the world. I think that would be a great way to put it forward rather than say, no one should have guns, only me and Alyssa Milano's, you know, uh, security team because you're not as important as us. So chill. We only get guns. That's not how it works. Now, moving along, I thought maybe we can... um, I wanted to say, talk about Cory Booker, but, um, I do want to talk about Cory, but come on guys. Like I was watching the debate and I was like, does this guy seriously think he has a shot? Like looking at him, he looks crazy. Okay. You know, he's so far in the closet. He can't even see the door. And, uh, you know, he says the stupidest things ever. I couldn't believe that he said, we're going to have a department of white supremacy. I mean, I, I heard it and I was like, Mm-mm, no, this is me hallucinating because there's no way any adult or any person looking for votes would say something like that on national television and expect people to vote for them. Right. No one would expect that. And yet he did. Not only did he say it, but he, but he repeated it and he was really proud of himself, too, guys. He was super proud. No way. I mean, it was it was pretty, pretty incredible. You know, uh, yesterday I tweeted out something that, you know, I was kind of a little bit concerned. Oh, my gosh, am I going to get banned? But it had the logo of the NRA that says this this organization does not sell arms. And that had the picture of Planned Parenthood and said this does. That's fact. They not only sell arms, they sell legs, heads, beating hearts, apparently, and anything in between. Um, Which leads me to this insane discussion of cannibalism. Did you guys see the piece of how cannibalism is a way to help with climate change? So it's not just about killing babies in Africa because people shouldn't have them. Because, you know, black people shouldn't be having babies, you know, because they just make too many of them and they, they're poor. But out of Europe, where they gave us this little child that has been taken hostage by these insane climate hoaxers, um, a Swedish scientist actually said that a way to help climate change is by eating human flesh. Are you hearing that? Eating human flesh. So he is a economics professor and he said that if we eat human meat derived from the dead bodies, we might be able to save the human race if only a world society were to awaken to the idea. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's pretend everyone agreed to be like those aborigines down in um, Australia. I don't know if you guys ever saw that um, documentary where this guy goes and eats things um, weird things. Anyway, he was with Aborigines and he had to eat this dead guy's brains. They eat their dead at, to honor them. So their spirit lives on and stuff. Anyway, uh, he was almost eaten and killed because they found him a little bit disrespectful. It was like, oh my gosh, why did you go there? And you have no guns because there's no guns in Australia. So anyway, um, so imagine if the world was like, yeah, um, let's eat human meat, man. If they're dead, we're going to eat them because We shouldn't be, you know, eating cows because they fart too much. Let's eat humans. And let's pretend that happened, okay? Because I'm I'm, going to tell you how I time travel. In a reality or in a timeline, 
right? If we were to make this decision now, our reality would shift and it would bifurcate elsewhere, right? In a reality where humankind would accept eating dead humans, um, we would then proceed to eating the humans that we lock up in prison because there's no point in paying for these people if they're going to be in there for life and they're just going to die. So why not kill them? Okay, so then we execute them, I mean, for food because it's necessary. It helps with the carbon footprint. It's almost like that old film where they used to like take people and like make them into pills and give them to people. I don't know if you remember. It's like a really old movie. It's pretty scary. And it's something that the climate change hoaxers are pushing like nobody's business. Infanticide, killing babies. Now we have assisted suicides, uh, people that are depressed or people that, you know, in Canada, there was a guy just a couple weeks ago, guys. He was 40 years old. He was sick. Um, but his insurance, you know, that uh, Medicare for all type insurance, right? Wouldn't cover some surgery or some treatment or something. And he had to wait a while to go see someone. So instead, instead of waiting for the approval to get this therapy, he submitted his application to have assisted suicide, like to be given the, the right to kill himself. And so that application came back faster with an approval than his doctors to help him. And he was 40. It's not like he was like 100 or 90 or even 85 with a foot in the grave. This guy was 40 and he was sick. And they wouldn't give him, you know... they. They just, the government of Canada decided that he should die rather than them try to give him a quality of life. So when we have these moral shifts where babies don't count, where your life, you know, doesn't count, where killing yourself is a lot better than the government supplying you the health care need you may have because, you know, you're a socialist country. When you allow cannibalism, that's game. That's free game for all. And you will be seeing murders completely different. And there will be menus with racial type selections. I've seen that movie before, haven't we? It's disgusting. So after this break, I want to get into more of this uh, climate change hoax stuff. I'll see you all in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
plus it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I thought we could talk a little bit about this climate hoax. We talked about the fact that they're promoting um, infanticide and upping abortions and our taxpayer dollars to fund the global abortions, right? So it's not China's responsibility. It's not Africa, African nation responsibilities, right? It's not uh, Europe's responsibility or Australia's or South America's. It's our responsibility to regulate the population in the world who died and made us chief of the world. Ah, was it when George Bush was talking about that? What was it called? The New World Order? Or maybe we can rewind to 2016 where Obama and the corrupt paid by, uh, you know, El Chapo, $100 million, president of Mexico and fluffy uh, socialist uh, Justin Trudeau sat on a stage in front of everyone and they applauded them. Yes, we don't need borders. North American Union. Here we come. Step one. And then we'll just merge with the European Union. Step two. And then we'll just take over the world and hope that China won't unleash hell on us because we've excluded them all this time and they we've made them rich so they'll be fine. Is that it? Are we supposed to be in charge? I mean, we are the country that created the fake currency. I mean, that was the idea over 100 years ago. Right? Then we're in charge of everybody. We should dictate everything. And this new nation, the United States of America, this baby nation that has taken the world by storm through innovation because we were so diverse, so independent, so belief in freedom, so away from socialism and communism, they decided, whoa, we can't have the rest of the world thinking that they could be free. We need to fix this. We can let these idiots think they're free so they can continue this innovation. And then we're we're at the point that we can release the true knowledge we have um we're gonna take them over the whole world and we're gonna dominate and we're gonna be kings and all of them will be disarmed slaves voluntarily of course we have to make it think like it's their idea and you know i was telling a friend of mine the other day um we were talking about something and i said 
you know, wait till your wife and child tag team you. And he's like, oh, that would never happen. I was like, man, my husband never gets it when I get my way. When I want something big, like I want to make a big purchase or I want to go somewhere or I want to make this change or, you know, like even the couch, I make it look like it's his idea. Because then it's so much easier. Oh, manipulative. Every woman does it. The husband is ahead, but the woman is always the neck that tells the head where to turn. And so this is the mentality that these, you know, multitasking clowns decided to do over a hundred years ago was we can't have the whole world thinking they're free. Listen, first, we're going to destroy the currency and we're going to control it. It's going to be totally fake. That way we can give ourselves as much money we want with a keystroke. They don't know we could do that. We're just going to, you know, put it out there. Then we're going to get the rest of the world on board to trade on that fake currency. And if they don't, then we invade them and we go to war and we take them over and we fix that problem right there. Then what we're going to do is we're going to take over all the resources. Now we're going to partner up with our friends in Europe, of course, because we're going to need help. I mean, we're over here, they're over there and you know, it's the Atlantic Ocean. And I don't think these idiot people will be smart enough to get airplanes and, 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 um, boats and, you know, transport up to speed so quick, they'll take about 50 years to get there. And then with technology and whatnot, I mean, we got to make them a little bit smarter so that way they catch up with the stuff that we want to do. So once they catch up to where we want to do, then we're going to cap it. We're going to start censoring them. We're not going to be allowing them to have a lot of information because then, you know, they're going to stay smart and they're the majority and we're the minority. So we can't have them thinking that they're even powerful. So what we're going to do is we're going to make them think that they want us to control everything, that they want the government to tell them how to act, how to speak, how to walk, how to talk, how to get health care, what's right and what's wrong. We'll make them think that killing old people is a good idea because it's going to be good for the environment. And here's how we're going to test it. In the 70s, we're going to tell them that all this technology, we got to slow it down a little bit. So no more hairspray with aerosol because that hairspray that you're using, your Aquanet and stuff, it's making a hole in the sky and we're all going to burn alive by 1999. Hey, how many of you remember that? See, I remember being a little kid in the 80s and I wanted to tease my hair and I could barely see myself in the mirror I still can't though, because I'm short, but you know, in the bathroom and I'm trying to spray my hair and it's like dribbling out because the stuff that my mom used to have, which was like aerosol and you could like hold it at a distance was banned because it was making holes in the sky and the people in Australia couldn't go to the beach because they were going to die because there was no ozone. Do you guys remember that? That was the first climate change hoax that they put forward on a global platform and they suddenly just swept that right under the rug because it's like where's the hole where's the hole have you guys seen holes no but see what those holes did was allowed them to convince us that we need spf and SPF has titanium oxide, which alters your hormones. So it makes boys a little bit more soy, makes women a little bit more crazier and unable to have kids. And the higher the SPF, the higher the concentration of titanium oxide, which alters just a bit and just enough, depending on your genetic predisposition, 
your hormonal balances. Oh my gosh, where is that hole in the sky, you guys? How many of you out there right now listening are like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that the people uh, that were sitting on the beach in Australia were like, oh my gosh, we're gonna burn. It's like we're getting cancer all the time. Do you guys remember that? And then right on the heels of this hole in the sky, we had Al Gore, the prophet, telling us that we were going to be underwater by, what, 2003, 2005. And he ran a campaign like that. We're all going to die. The caps are going to melt and all the shores are going to be gone. But while the shores were all going to be gone, every single person that was telling us that the polar caps are melting, that we can't live on islands anymore because they're going to drown, are building houses are building businesses, are investing billions and billions of dollars on coastal properties. But they're all going to disappear with the melting of the polar caps, right? That is how stupid they think people are. And believe it or not, that is how stupid people are. People are insanely stupid because they eat it up just like they want them to. They tell them this is how it's going to happen. And this is, they just instill the fear. I mean, why hasn't anyone who, you know what? I would love to see President Trump turn up and say, well, you know, this climate change, we're pulling out of that one. I mean, we already saw that with the ozone layer. We were all going to die and burn to a crisp and it was going to, you know, (laughs) hard terrain. I still remember in the, in the, in the nineties, I was like in middle school and, you know, the teachers were telling us how, you know, the way it's going with all these CFCs in the air from fridges and hairspray and whatnot, that we were all going to be like walking around the streets and it would be red like Mars. It would be burnt to a crisp. And I was thinking, whoa, that's like crazy. We're all going to burn alive and we're still here and it's luscious and green and not, not a burnt crisp thing. And Australian beaches are still awesome except for the sharks. Okay. And no one is dying and no one is, you know, being incinerated because there's a hole just on top of Australia. I still remember that. I may remember it wrong because I was young, but it was like etched into my brain that the ozone layer that protects us is disappearing and we're all going to die in a few years. And I was hoping that someone would uh, invent some time machine like, um, you know, back to the future and just make us go back in time. I remember thinking that to ban hairspray because it was deadly. So climate change hoaxes, have been going on for years and this is how they decided they will run you they will put the idea out they will ensure to amplify it through their mainstream media outlets through their advertising through their repetition right and instill fear you know what what um do you know when it has been more profitable for news stations. Like why CNN is always like, oh, the pressure's on, oh, the walls are closing and breaking this, breaking that. Because they made so much money during 9-11. People were like sitting on couches drooling, right? Dribble, like coming off their mouth, like zombies watching the news 24-7 because they were scared. Because terror is the best motivator and they know that. So their idea 
to have us relinquish so many rights, which they tested with 9-11 and it freaking worked. It worked. 9-11 worked. People will just give it up. Now, though, in 2019, where you have the majority of the eligible U.S. voters voting and listening and having access to information, that BS doesn't fly anymore. People are like, well, hold on a second. Because now, in 2019, we're reexamining events from the 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s. We're thinking, were we that dumb? Were people that dumb? Did they believe that? Like, did they really believe that, that that's, that's like what happened? Doesn't sound shady at all. When I found out that in Building 7, all accounting records and client records for the Islamic Relief Society were located there, it made sense to me to say, whoa, that might have been on purpose. And the reason I say this is because the other day I told you that Mueller was appointed on September, Tuesday, September 4th, 2001 as FBI director, right? He was the FBI director. He didn't have a swearing-in ceremony. He supposedly swore in an office with his wife and maybe five people. Nobody really knows that. And he got to work immediately. And the only division he reshuffled where he fired, hired, and reshuffled some people around, but he put all his new people on it, was the counterterrorism division. And he did that all by September 7th, Friday, September 7th. And guess where he went on Friday, September 7th? He flew down to Houston, Texas, okay, to confiscate Infocom servers of the Holy Land Foundation and other Islamic, you know, uh, charities, confiscated all their paperwork, all their documentations, all their computer backups, everything. And then 9-11 happened. And then we find out that the Holy Land Foundation, the Islamic Relief Society, and other Islamic charities, which are all based in Houston, where the Bushes are based, were the ones that were funding Osama bin Laden. And then I discover that Bush family, instead of working with Nazis, they work with a Jew-hating, another Jew-hating crew, which were radical Islamic terrorists, right? So they, they traded the German hate, Jew-hater, right, who was gone, to work with first with these Jew-haters, right? And they were in business. And then it dawned on me, oh my gosh, Mueller got hired to cover up the links with the Saudis again, like George Bush Sr. hired him in the late 90s to cover up BCCI, which was owned by one of the biggest business partners the Bushes had, which was a Saudi that owned the bank. And that bank was what? Exactly what Iran is doing now. It was a banking system out in the open, had uh, you know branches in over 80 countries, and the clients were... Democrats, Republicans, Mexican cartels, Asian mafia, poppy plant producers, the Taliban, you name the corrupt organization, they had a bank account with them. That's how it worked. And the majority shareholder was a Saudi. And who else was a director mm, on the board? Bush. 
So it seems to me that on September 4th, when he was appointed and he speedily made this team, he spent all his energy covering the tracks up for the Bushes like he did in the early 90s with the BCCI scandal and that civil suit that was out there saying, well, all of Bush's businesses are funded by the Saudis, right? And the fact that George Bush Jr. made millions of dollars selling Kuwaiti, but you know, uh, like oil exploration companies in Bahrain, he made money and everyone's like, oh, he made money because his dad told him to pull out that day because then Saddam invaded Kuwait. You know, those are the things that Mueller was hired and he was the chief of the criminal division of the Justice Department to cover up then. He came in to cover up, not for the Saudis, but to cover up for the Bushes. So instead of him spending those days to find out and determine and deter and not allow to happen that attack on 9-11, he let it happen, but he made sure that any links to the Clintons or the Bushes or anyone else in government that may have had with the source of funds that funded that event were eradicated. And that is exactly what he did. That's why Bush didn't care to find anyone. He just wanted to get it done. September 11th attack happened. September 12th, we need Osama. You've been needing Osama since the, since the late 80s. What are you talking about now? Now it's him? Well, you are business partners with his brother. Like, what? Salem Bin Laden, who was his older brother, was one of their biggest clients who died in an airplane crash, crash, just like his dad died in an airplane crash. And then Khalif, who was their new partner, his sister was married to Osama Bin Laden. So it was his brother-in-law. Like, this is the stuff that you look back on and you're like, what were people thinking back then? Like, seriously, could they not see it? It's like... Walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, but it's a chicken? No, it's a duck. And that was a duck. It was plain out a duck, and it told you exactly what they were doing. Exactly what they were doing. And nobody did anything. So bizarre, isn't it? So bizarre that so many people would not be able to see that. That is a problem. That is a concern. So... I'll talk about that later. But that is how hoaxes happen. And this is how we look back onto things and realize, oh dear, huh. I wonder why people didn't see that then. It's kind of like when you watch a movie and you're watching it and then you watch it a second time, you know, a couple of years later and you'd be like, wow, I don't remember it like that. I, I, I didn't see that before, but now I see it. You know, that is exactly what's happening now. That is what a great awakening is. When you see the same thing and you actually see it for what it is, naked truth, naked connections, not only because you have a second pass at it, right? Or third or fourth, but because you're able to stand back, like I always say on the moon and just look at all the dots connect and you're just like, oh my God, it was like right there. It's kind of like when someone's sitting in the middle of a field and someone's carved out some word and you can't see the word. You're standing on the word and you can't see it. But when you take a helicopter ride, you see the word, you know, mowed into the field. That is exactly what is happening right now. This is how we're waking up. And, you know, I kind of feel sometimes and, you know, maybe I'm giving too much credit to the president. But, you know, 
knowing the fact that there's a whole team of people working to keep everything on track. So many. It's almost as if he's toying with them and taunting them. And like, yep, I knew it. I knew you were going to call Mueller in and I wanted you to because I wanted everyone to look into Mueller too. I wanted him to be in the spotlight. So that way everyone's like, who is this Miller, Mueller clown? Oh my gosh, he's been a fixer since like forever. Pan Am, Bush, 41, Bush, 43, like so much fixing. Why would anyone think that whatever he does is honorable? Why would anyone think that everything he's done is a good deed? These are the questions that people are now starting to ask, like, how did I miss this? How did I not see it? And it's because you didn't have access to that much information. You didn't have the ability to take that helicopter ride and look at the field that you were standing in, to see the words mowed into that field. You could only guess. You could see some of it, but you're like, I don't know, maybe it's just a shape. It looks like this, but I don't know. I mean, I have to stand back, and I really can't because I don't have the tools. But now with the internet, now with the ability for us to connect globally instantly, and for minds to connect and for voices to be heard and for faces to be seen. And please don't judge me by the video on InfoWars. My makeup and, and my makeup, my, um, my lighting looked horrible. So my makeup looked even, I look like a goth. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I don't even want to get into that. But anyway, so don't judge me by that. But um, that's the thing. We get to see people. We get to talk to people. We get to read people's thoughts. At the, at the in an instant at our fingertips, something people didn't have back then. And so this is why it's important for everyone. And this is something that I go by to always revisit the past when you look at a challenge in the future. So whatever challenge I'm standing on right now in my personal life, and you are, don't carry the baggage of the past, but reflect on it so you can say, okay, I've learned this before, this before, this before. What are the skills or what, are the no- what is the knowledge that I missed then that I should be applying now? This is exactly what we're doing now. We are faced, we are in uncharted waters as far as it comes to U.S. history. We've got people in Congress that are trying to move forward with impeachment Against a president that the people elected because they don't like him. You know, we're going to talk about that in the second hour. Just like we're going to analyze this 9-11 thing because the president's going to be dropping some names. And I think some of those names are maybe in my article. So um, we're going to talk about that in the second hour because we've got... You guys, we're making history, and I know everybody is always making history at any point in time, you know, in the past. This, though, we have to make sure that the future remembers this. We have to make sure that this is well-documented and not eradicated from history. We need to make sure that the stupid books Comey put out are put and classified as fiction. Hillary's book, fiction. Huma Abedin, all those clowns, even Mattis, fiction. That is what we should do. We should be able to ensure that the factual 
conditions, the factual situations, the factual actions and execution of words and deeds in this period of time are immortalized and crystallized forever so that the future can see this is what happens when you don't take control of your country. You get idiots like this, like Nadler, who's like five inches, five, five, five centimeters, like two and a half inches away, choking himself with his belt. That's how high his pants are. We have people that are so insane. They're like, oh, we're going to totally impeach. Where's your facts? Don't need facts. Where's your proof? Don't need proof. And you know, people are like, yeah, so it's not going to happen. Guys, I'm in court right now with some clown that called me everything in the book, called me a fraud, no victim, no money loss. Why? Because I'm exposing the fact that he's compliant with human trafficking rings within my state. Doesn't like it. You're bringing too much attention to me through eyes and the DOJ. Yeah, because you're about to go down, dude. So what they do is they just attack you with anything, anything. And this is how you see that they're desperate. They're desperate when they act like this because they got nothing. You're coming at me, says Trump, come because you got nothing. I'll sue you back. But the thing is, he's not going to push that hard back. Why? Because him suing whoever is wasting our money. So he's like, oh, I'll just have to attack back and, and, you know, give him a backhanded one when he gets too annoying and keeps pushing it and should be reprimanded for it. That's how the responses go from our president. So the bottom line is, guys, right now, we are in uncharted waters. We have an insane House, uh, insane Senate, both on the Republican and Democratic side, right? Insane candidates, and we've got jihadis applauding the impeachment of a president mm, that is going to put them in jail. I mean... You know, a lot of people think that Ilhan Omar is having an affair. She's not. That's a cover story because her husband is like, I'm not going to jail for you and neither are kids. You're on your own. If you think you guys are really impeaching this guy and you're going to get away with all of this, then you do that on your own. You do you, boo-boo. I'm going to stay with the kids because I'm not being sent back to Somalia shamed and my kids aren't going to be shamed because you committed fraud. You committed tax, immigration, fraud, and you are never... Who you said you were. I'll see you guys shortly after this break, and we'll start on the whole impeachment and break down 9 11. See you in a bit.
Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the second hour, and it's Friday, and we're going to talk about impeachment, and we're going to break down a little bit of 9-11, because we're going to get some news today on that. Um, And that's why I posted my article on lauralumer.us that you can see where I infer through the facts that it seems like Mueller was not really trying to cover up just he was covering up the Saudis but not for the Saudis he was covering up for the Bushes which makes more sense I mean why would Mueller cover up for Saudis right and they weren't all Saudis some were Jordanian some were Sudanese some were Lebanese you know so we'll get into that but on the notion of a full moon We should ask Chief Justice Roberts about this Epstein used to hold some wild parties in fact, it was October of 2000 that there was a really popping party there. Um, if we remember, uh, that party was super huge. And uh, it is a Friday the 13th full moon, total numerology, you know, stuff. It's this moon that we're having now is a micro harvest moon. Ah, I wanted to say something about full moons. So, I, I, my husband, he's British, you know, and a lot of our friends and family uh, in England obviously work for the government in England. And one of them happens to be a police officer in East London. And I remember one day um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I said, hey, um, so uh, you're going to come over for dinner, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, no, 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 I can't. I have to pull another shift. And I was like, what for? He's like, we always ramp up the night before, the day before and the day of, of a full moon. And I was like, what? What are you guys like superstitious? He's like, no, it's actually like statistically, you know. Um, found that during full moons, people are just a little bit more crazier and violent. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, 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 you know, that's back in like, what, 2005 that he told me that. And, and it sat on me. I kind of thought about it and I joke about it, but you know, he's right. Statistically, uh, human beings, right? I mean, you would expect that some effect comes to us. I mean, the moon changes the tide, so it may affect us too. I mean, it... <laughs> You know, it does some effect to Earth. So why not on the beings that are there, not just the water and the land? But that is something that's for real. They literally double the amount of police presence they have in London the day before and the day of a full moon. And yesterday, (laughs) the day before the full moon, we had insane thing happen. We had the house say we're going to take everybody's guns and we had we're going to impeach we don't care if we don't have any facts we're still like yeah but we're going to impeach so 
I thought of that over the break. I was like, oh, wait, full moon. Yeah, that's right. You know, during those harvest moons, and this is a micro harvest moon, but it's Friday the 13th. You know, maybe we should hope that Rusty sends his drone over to the Epstein Island to see if they have any preparations for parties today. Hopefully he's out there droning it. Um <laughs> Chief Justice Roberts, maybe you could clue us in. I mean, you had a couple trips down there in 2010. And that'll be something that we'll be talking about next week, Epstein. Uh, we're also going to be talking a lot about 9-11, but not so much because of the events that happened, but the players. You know, they all seem to be the same. Taliban, 9-11, the same people. Mueller, Comey, Comey's lawyers, Comey's friends, people that wanted to be special counsel, people that were in there. Right. We got so much going on next week. It's crazy. And I think it, it's like toward the end of the week, isn't it, that they're going to storm Area 51 or is it the week after that? I'm just, wait. 16th is Monday, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21. So Saturday, next Saturday, not tomorrow, they're going to be storming <laughs> Area 51 because that's where they are. They're going to tell you we're here. OK, so. Moving along, let's talk about this. Um, these impeachment proceedings. I mean, they're, it is insane. And the president actually tweeted out Jim Jordan, who really put it into perspective really well uh, to just dispel the insanity we have going on right now uh, within our government. I mean, you think about it a bit and you're just like, are these people really representing other people? I mean... It's insane. Take a listen. Two days ago, Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee voted to take away an American citizen's Second Amendment rights. You voted to do that even though that citizen had committed no crime. And you voted to allow their rights to be taken in a court proceeding that that citizen doesn't even get to show up to defend themselves. Now today, you're changing the rules to make it easier for you to pursue impeachment of the President of the United States. Changing the rules nine months into the new Congress. First, you vote to take away Americans' firearms. Then you vote to impeach the guy they elected president all in one week. Actually, all in less than 48 hours in the House Judiciary Committee, the committee that's supposed to protect the rules, supposed to protect constitutional rights. All in less than 48 hours, you're doing it. And why are you changing the rules? Why are you changing the rules? General lady from Arizona was right. Because nothing else has worked for you. The Michael Cohen hearing was a flop. The John Dean hearing was a flop. And everyone in the country knows the Bob Mueller hearing. They saw it. That was a flop. So let's change the rules in the middle of the game because we got to find something. We're out to get this. We got to find something. Never forget how this whole thing started. Never forget how this whole thing started. A false accusation about the president of the United States saying the president coordinated with a foreign country to influence the election. Jim Comey investigated that for 10 months. Guess what? He found nothing. And we know he found nothing because we deposed him. And he told us after 10 months they didn't have a thing. But that didn't stop it. 22 months later, Bob Mueller does a special counsel investigation. He investigates it for 22 months. And what does he tell us? Other members have already said this. He found nothing. No coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia to impact the election. 32 months of investigations. They find nothing. But what, what do Democrats want to do? What do they want to do now? Change the rules. 
Keep investigating because we got to find something so we can impeach this president. Maybe the country would be better served. Maybe the, maybe the constituents we represent would be better served if we actually figured out how the false accusation happened. And the good news is, as I've said before in this committee, the good news is that's exactly what the Attorney General of the United States is doing. And thank God for Bill Barr. That's exactly what he's doing. But you know what? We can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. And a great place to start is right where Mr. Shabbat just said. Why don't we start with the Inspector General, not just any Inspector General, the Inspector General for the Justice Department, which we have jurisdiction over, just issued a report two weeks ago, scathing report on the guy who's most responsible for this three-year saga that our country has had to live through, Jim Comey. Jim Comey, the guy who opened the investigation in July of 2016. Jim Comey, the guy who allowed Peter Strzok to run that investigation after that guy had ran the Clinton investigation, after that guy had said to Lisa Page, another FBI employee, don't worry, Lisa, we'll stop Trump. Jim Comey, the guy who allowed the dossier to go to the secret court to be used to spy on a fellow American associated with the Trump campaign. Jim Comey, who leaked information to the New York Times through his friends so we would get the special counsel. Jim Comey, the guy who on January 6th goes to Trump Tower trying to trap the president while he's telling the president he's not under investigation. Scathing report by the inspector general on that guy. And when I asked the chairman two days ago, two days ago when he was busy taking away people's Second Amendment rights, when I asked him two, two days ago when we might have a chance to question the inspector general, his response, the chairman of the judiciary's response was, I don't know, we haven't thought about that. That is scary. That is scary when you have the inspector general issue that kind of report and the chairman of the Judiciary Committee doesn't even know a thing about it. Hasn't even thought about when we're going to bring him in so we can talk to him. This is the Judiciary Committee, for goodness sake. And think about what has happened in 48 hours in this committee. This is scary. And everyone in the country knows, and everyone who said this earlier, they know that there aren't the votes to do this. There aren't the votes to do this right. So you're playing this game in the Judiciary Committee of all places. Maybe if you were a little less focused on taking people's Second Amendment rights and impeaching the guy they made president, we could actually do what this committee is supposed to do. I yield back. He's right. So basically, they can't impeach him the way the rules are now because they got nada. So what they want to do is they want to set rules on how they do impeachment. So maybe they'll say, oh, we don't need all these votes. Maybe we just need one vote. And let's all vote on that. That's what they're doing. This is the committee that's supposed to oversee our justice, our laws, our courts, and how they go forward. And yet, this is how they work. This is what they do. How do you impeach any president that has created the best economy in history? You know, and speaking of recession, we're at 27,000 points at the Dow. I guess that's done. Um, unemployment ultra low. Like I know in my state, they have more jobs than people willing to work, you know, because a lot of people in these small towns, because they're towns, they're not really cities. They want to call themselves cities, but whatever. Let's pretend it's a city. They don't like working. They like welfare. We got a lot of fluffy people, a lot of them. And those are the lazy ones that, you know, can't even afford to go and vote. So, and we've got tons of jobs, people that, you know, don't want to work, can see they can work. We're cutting back on our costs because, you know, you're not getting food stamps if you're not working because there's jobs now. 
And unless you're like really broken and can't do any job, then you need to be working. That's basically it. We have no issues in regards to wage gaps. Speaking of wage gaps, Monopoly just created a game that's for feminists, which means women get more money to cover that wage gap. How, what, right? Um, We have um, so many people working. We have a military that is finally coming back to the standards it should have been. We're getting pickier and we're offering more to the soldiers that we want to recruit. We need scientists. We need doctors. We need engineers. We need coders. We are bringing and building our military like nobody's business and we are now rebuilding it with our own steel. We have become independent. We're actually exporting more oil than Middle Eastern countries. We're going to have so many awesome judges. I mean, we've got what? Number four is going to be John Roberts, right? He's going. He's out. He's going to be gone. I'm telling you this now. He's going to be gone. So we've got Ruth's seat that they're holding by. I mean, this woman has seasonal cancer, right? She's got so many cancers. It's like she's more cancer than she is Ruth. So we're going to place two more Supreme Court justices, which is going to be great. We don't need any more uh, justices that have, you know, that are being blackmailed. Right, John? Blackmailed. I mean, you know, you should have known from the Mina incident that they were going to hold it over you. You just went along with the Epstein incident, too. I mean, because, you know, they all run together. That's the way it is, right? That's the way they are. We had investigations that showed the world and the people of the United States just how vile, vicious, and aggressive they can be in order to maintain control. That's the one thing they don't want is to lose control. For all those that are constituents of clowns like Nadler, Omar, Ocasio-Cortez, which she was so upset. And so, oh my gosh, you showed her face burning. Yeah, because you know, everyone's going to burn when they're socialism. Actually, they'll incinerate all the political opposition, won't they? They'll eradicate them. We let the world see it. Dirty, disgraced cops. People with... 007 licenses and free open reign to just give anybody and their mother a colonoscopy just to remove them. And they want to remove our president for what? Doing a great job? For what? Waking us up? For what? Handing us over the reins of our nation so that we can do things. That's what you're going to impeach him for. The fact that the other party and the party that's pushing for impeachment finds that illegal immigrants are more important than American citizens. This should not be happening. This should not be allowed. And these loopholes that we're sealing are happening as fast as you can count to five it's it's pretty pretty incredible now what we're gonna see unfold in the next 14 months is gonna be insane october surprises i think i think the trump administration is gonna give us a lot of august and september surprises 
people are going to be being removed from ballots like nobody's business. And if Congress wants to attempt to change the rules on impeachment, then we need to start declassifying and getting a lot of these clowns that are sitting on the Judiciary Committee removed as well before they choke themselves with their belts because they pull their pants up too high. It has to happen. It has to happen. We have to remove them. That is the only way you fix it. And you have to wonder what goes through the minds of those that are voting these people in or keeping them there. I mean, listen to what Pelosi says and what she said. God, guys, did you see that her eyebrows are now like almost aligned with her hairline? Seriously. But anyway, take a listen to what she says about impeachment. Investigate, litigate. That's the path we have been on. And that's the path we continue to be on. If I may, is the specific language not important? I mean, how should the American people understand the, American the work of people this committee when members are speaking very differently about it? It's not uh, you're the only ones who are uh, selling this. Uh, that's not true, ma'am. It, it, it isn't true. Uh, I've traveled the entire country. Yeah, come with me sometime, and you'll hear what the American people are saying. They understand that that impeachment is a very divisive measure. But if we have to go there, we'll have to go there. But we can't go there unless we have the facts. And we will follow the facts, and we will follow the uh, obstruction that the president is making up aside getting the facts and make our decision when we're ready. That's the only question. That's all I'm going to say about this subject. And there's nothing different from one day to the next. We're still on our same path. This Invest. How, okay, first of all, where in the country is she going where people are like, yeah, let's go for impeachment? Is she in Mexico? Which, by the way, during this full moon, just thought of it, they're fundraising right now in Mexico, the Democrats, like as we speak, they're holding a fundraiser in Mexico because obviously no one in America is fundraising them and they're broke. And this is why I don't see why we have people running on the GOP ticket. Like who's really going to invest in those people? Like I'm just saying I'm not contributing to them. You know, no. I am happy with the president I have, and I am more than happy of giving him a third term, too. I'd prefer that he die in office, you know, uh, four terms in, than remove him and let some slime bag slide in. I would prefer that one of his kids take over, seriously, because eight years isn't enough for him to fix this. This is over 100 years of horrid Things against the people of the United States. Things against the world, humanity, women, children. Horrific. Just horrific. I mean, you know, I'm a little bit upset that a lot of people are talking about, um, you know, Epstein as if, I don't want to say that I'm an expert. I mean, I remember seeing him in the 99, 2000 on, on a base and that's when I started archiving all his stuff and following what he was doing because it was really weird. But we are now seeing a trend where uh, we're seeing the left and big tech promote artificial intelligence as a mandate or necessity. Now, it's comfortable. I mean, I use Google Home devices. I have one in my bathroom so I can listen to music uh, when I take a shower. I have one in, in my kitchen so that I could see the weather, set timers, and play music too. Um, 
And it's kind of nice, you know, hands-free washing the dishes. Hey, you know, okay, Google, do this for me. You know, oops, I activated <laughs> my phone saying that. See, they're always listening. Could you please rephrase that? See? Always listening. Don't worry, the rest of the world is too, Google. So now they're also pushing the idea of AI-powered synthetic brains that will allow humans to operate 500 versions of themselves at once, according to Amazon's um, uh, voice assistant. So um, the guy that created uh, Alexa, Igor Yavlakov, he says that artificial intelligence is so advanced that soon people won't be able to distinguish between real humans and a synthetic mind. And so uh, the CEO of Pyron, he had founded this company called Yap, which was like a voice recognition app. I um, Yap is actually used, was used, I could tell you this, it was a version of Yap, you know, in uh, the airport when you're walking and my husband does this and I'm like, dude, one day you're going to be in so much trouble. Um, you know, when you, when you go through TSA, they listen to everything you say. They can check your messages. They listen to your conversations. They listen to how you breathe, your heart rate, you know, when you're going through like really big airports, right? And in any language. And these voice recognition, um, this voice recognition software is actually being tested to be used to automatically translate too. And I got myself a Google um, phone for my personal phone. And the headset that it comes with, it's like $150. It's a wired type headset, but you can actually program it. So if you're listening to something in another language in your ear, you will hear it in, in your target language. So I've tested it out watching my Chinese, um, you know, um, romantic, you know, comedies or dramas or soap operas and telenovelas. And I'll put on the headset. Well, I did before I injured my ears, but I'd put it on and it would play and I would have it automatically, um, interpret it for me. And in my ear, I could hear it in English. So we have technology that's beyond what we can believe. And so, um, Chiron CEO actually said that, um, you know, he sold his voice recognition to Amazon, um, you know, uh, before, you know, they used it for Alexa and that the device actually uses a voice that's non-human to communicate with other people. But here's what Igor, the guy behind Alexa says. He says that this technology can actually be very terrifying because, you won't be able to know if you're interacting with a person or an AI. So you could be, um, you know, at like you could do things you, you know, I, many times I say for a joke, gosh, I need a clone today. This would be it. It would be it that I could program something to call customer service to do this for me and I could be on a conference call. It could be me on the radio, but I have three different versions of me, you know, calling up to make a complaint, uh, calling to pay a bill or having a conversation with a friend because, you know, I don't, I don't have the time to talk to them. So I'm just going to interact, record it and listen to it later kind of thing. So that is crazy because you could be doing things everywhere at the same time using a computer. So it 
learns and it gets to know you from listening to you. Now, Alexa, for example, listens all the time, just like you guys saw. Look, all I have to say is, um, okay, Google, can you tell me what the weather's like today? So it's like away from me. It's just sitting on the desk. The screen was black and it still woke up because it listens all the time. And it doesn't just listen for that term because I could say, okay, and it automatically starts to listen. It listens to cue words. It collects that information. So every time you or I are talking and this device is nearby, it records and it learns. So when you sleep and your phone is next to you, if you have Google Assistant, Bigsby, if you're a Samsung user and some people use Bigsby, if you have an Alexa, it listens to you snore. It listens to you talk in your sleep. It learns everything there is to know about you. And this is why I said in in my January um, radio broadcast, which was the day before the new year and New Year's Day, right? New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. AI is coming to the forefront. AI is going to be a really big deal this year for us because there are many developments and many changes. I mean, right now there's people being arrested because of talks they have and Alexa listens to them or Google listens to them. That is how it works. So it's not just when they listen to you to improve speech recognition. It's to create a profile for the user. So for me, um, my Google devices are creating a profile for me, but it's also for my whole family because we use one account and everybody's in the household and whoever comes in. Uh, This is why we have Faraday devices in my household. So when we want to have candid conversations, we don't want anyone listening. What do we do? We open up the Faraday bag and we drop them all in there. And then we go outside into the yard somewhere far away. Because we're not only training it to get to know us, but we're training it for things we shouldn't really be Talking about. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa... Stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
plus it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or clean pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. And um, uh, just to complete the thought, artificial intelligence is supposed to be assisting us. This has been around for a while. I've mentioned how I went to an LG house over a decade ago where, um, you know, the house would respond to blinks of your eyes, to movements of your hands, to words that you would use to brighten, you know, the lights in the room, to turn on the coffee pot, to change the TV screen. I mean, this has been around for a while and for some reason people think it's something new. No, it's not something new. It's just now affordable. And artificial intelligence is very important for us to be able to know how to secure ourselves from it because we have companies like Google that um, limit the access we have to information and they alter reality. You know, I want all of you to go to like Google Images, for example. We've all seen Epstein's Island, right? We've all seen what is there from Rusty who sends out his drone and shows us people, showed us that guy that looked like Jeffrey Epstein, could also be Anthony Burdon, you know, kind of looked like Jeffrey though, um, on the island on August 31st. And you'll see that Google actually alters the images of Google Earth um, into things that they aren't. Like, you know, that really weird, like field that was empty, like a dugout field, they make it look like it's a tennis court <laughs> when there was never a tennis court. Just saying artificial intelligence is dangerous when it's in hands of people that want to alter the way you think and the way you act and respond. And this is exactly what we are seeing. This is why they, um, you know, limit what we can access, limit what we can say, limit what we can share, because you have to fall in line with what they say. They are the danger. See, we can make artificial intelligence work for us, but when it's in the hands of people that dictate how we should be responding, it's dangerous. And this is exactly why I say people need to learn to protect themselves from it. Now, um, Moving along, I wanted to talk about um, Mueller. 
So Mueller has been, just like Comey, popping up in areas of um, investigation throughout years. I had written an article on Tory Says a very long time ago where I demonstrated how Mueller and Comey are BFFs, right? Where I said, hey, they're BFFs. Hey, you know, uh, you need to, like, take a look at this. Hey, um, they've worked together. Hey, they tag-teamed Bush. Of course they did because they had everything on him. But now, you know, when I saw the New York Post article go out of how Paul Sperry so nicely put together about how um, it seems that Mueller was covering for the Saudis, it rang a bell. I was like, wait a minute, the Bush family is so corrupt. And I can't fathom why Mueller would be covering up for the Saudis when at the time of the attack, the Saudis had already disowned Osama bin Laden. So if they've disowned Osama bin Laden why would we be covering up for them? So here's the deal. I looked into it and I found that Bush 41 had actually gotten into business with Salem bin Laden, which was Osama bin Laden's older brother. And this happened in 1976. So this all came out from a Texas Court of Appeals case that I found, and I had um, requested a lot of document. It's case White versus Bath, uh, 825 SW 2D 227 uh, in um, 1992. And what happened is in this case, there was a guy, uh, Mr. White, who was in business with a guy named James Bath, right? And Bath... um, was a plane broker. So he sold and leased and bought and invested in aircraft, right? And believe it or not, Bath was the one that sold the airplane that Barry Seal flew around during the Mina, 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 Mina drug runs and was arrested and thrown in jail because he supposedly was muling for Noriega when... He was CIA and he was working for the Clintons and the Bushes and Barr knows all of this anyway. So here we have Bath, who is the sole representative of many rich Saudis, Qataris, Sudaneses, Lebanese, Middle Eastern oil tycoons of the days back in the 70s. So I found from this case that there was a trust agreement between this guy Bath and Salem bin Laden, Osama bin Laden's brother. And so as I looked at it, I found that he had another um, four Middle Eastern clients that were pretty big too. So um, one of them was Khalid, right? And so Khalid um, was a big player too, big scandal. So here's how it goes. I've already told you guys in a previous show about the Bushes back in the 40s. So Prescott Bush, which was George Bush Sr.'s father, George Bush Jr.'s grandfather, they had their businesses seized by President Roosevelt. So on October 20th, 1942, Union Bank Corporation of New York City was found to be a Nazi shell company. So it was a bank that was just that that the Nazis were using. So Adolf Hitler was getting his money through Union Bank Corp. Prescott Bush, George Bush's daddy, was a director of Union Bank Corp. Not only that, shareholders of that bank were Bush, 
Harriman, and three Nazi officers. Fast forward eight days later, Roosevelt seized two more companies as fronts for the Third Reich. And that was the Bush Harriman Bank, which was a subsidiary of Union Bank that, were, that they were on the board of, and Seamless Steel that was owned and operated by Harriman Bank. So there was a steel company that was owned by the little bank, Bush Harriman Company, and that Bush Harriman Bank was also under Union Bank, which they also owned portions of, along with three Nazis. So here we have the Bush family legacy, right, of money being built with Nazi dollars, right? Nazi, Nazi. So on November 8th, 1942, same year, just a few days later, Roosevelt then seized other Nazi-controlled assets. And that was called the Silesian American Corp. And guess what? That was also owned and operated by Bush Harriman Bank, which means they confiscated everything Bush Harriman Bank. They already knew Steamless Steel was part of Bush Harriman Bank. And then as they were going through all that stuff, they realized, well, that's another company, so they took it. So in, in a nutshell, the Bush family was built by Nazi money, okay, and funded the killing of Jews, Jew haters, okay? Now, even though, Right. Here's here's how we see land of opportunity. Right. This Bush 41's family made their fortune by working with Nazis. Nevertheless, he joined the Texas Air National Guard. He became director of the CIA, did what he did with JFK, of course, graduated Harvard Business School. And even though. He was raised and silver spoon fed by the blood of Jewish people that never hindered him to become president of the United States. Now, I've always said this, three-term president, right? Three-term president, period. So picture this. The minute Bush gets into the White House, right, he, he, he's, he's ready to go into the White House. He's ready in the 70s. He decides he needs to build a few companies and make some money before he gets in. So every single year, he opened up companies. Arbusto, 1976. Arbusto, 77. Arbusto, 78. All numbered for every year. Arbusto means bush, by the way, in Spanish. I mean, he was in Houston, Texas, right? Near Mexico, why not? So in order to start these companies, he needed seed money. He needed money. He didn't have a lot of money because remember, everything that they kind of built was already taken away by President Roosevelt. Right? Earlier than that. So here he is needing money. Who does he tap into? This guy named James Bath, who not only served with him in the Air National Guard, a.k.a. the farm, but he also went to school with him at Harvard. And he taps him, this, you know, plane broker that sells airplanes and says, yo, I know you invest for a lot of people. I need some money. He's like, I got money for you. You do oil? I got Middle Eastern pockets. Great. So here we go. Bin Laden's brother invests into the Arbusto companies. So here we go. They got a marriage. They're working together. Bin Laden investing in Bush and their partners, and they're working together. Bang. Now, when the civil suit between White and Bath happens, here's what happens in the 90s. We're talking 90s. So we're going to fast forward from the 70s where they got into business to the late 80s going to 90s. So 1988... 1988, after Osama bin Laden was already trained by the CIA, went out to Somalia and started dilly-dallying BS, right? 
His brother, Salem, who was in business with Bush, uh, died in an airplane crash, just like his dad did, too. You know, the Bin Ladens are like the Trumps of the Middle East. Okay, they're like the biggest construction, um, you know, real estate developer company in the Middle East. And they're not just in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, they derive from Saudis, but these guys have like 100 million wives spread across the Middle East. So their sons and their daughters are half Sudanese, half Lebanese, half this, half that, you know, because the Saudis, you know, had tons of wives. I mean, they uh, Salem had like 56 kids. So here we are where he dies in 1988. And just at about that time, we have um, White suing James Bath. Why? So they had the Gulf um, Airport, right? Gulf Regional Airport in Houston, the Houston Gulf Airport, basically. And they built it together. And so it was White's job to manage it, to make sure it's fruitful, to advance it, you know, to become a hub, But what Bath would do, he would like sell aircraft and licensing for flying because, you know, let's pretend I want to open up an airline today, right? And I'm like, yep, I'm going to be doing flights from North Dakota. I have to have permission to go land somewhere else. They got to say, well, okay, we have a slot where your plane can come in during these times at our airport. This is how much you're going to pay us. And, you know, you got to check it with FAA. Then you got to find a slot where you can be in the air at that time, blah, 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 blah. Permissions, acceptance. They want your people. They think your clients will bring in money. They think you'll be fruitful, whatever, right? So that's what they were doing. He was leasing space and selling planes and doing some international dealings that White found dodgy because it was it was it was hindering his job. And they were partners, you know, on this, you know, airport. So he sues him. And during the course of the case, the guy exposes that he works with Saudis. He's doing some dodgy work with Saudis and people in the Caribbean and the Cayman Islands and stuff. And he's just not for it. He's like, this is a problem. This is a breach. We need a buyout. He needs to go, you know, whatever. And so during that time, right, it was exposed that this guy worked for the CIA while um, his buddy, George Bush, was the director of the CIA and that their friends and a lot of these investments went to George Bush and that George Bush is, in actual fact, partners with a lot of these Saudi and Middle Eastern Mongols. Now, here's the thing. BCCI was a bank that was kind of like Union National Bank in 1942 for the Nazis, only, only so that BCCI was actually the mob's bank. Dark money, like I said at the beginning of my show, mobsters, cartels, mafias, Saudis, dirty money, pedophiles, deranged lunatic, Edgar Bronfman, you know, all these people, Clintons, and bank accounts there. And it was determined that it was the source of money laundering and black money. Hmm. So guess what Bush did? Bush 41 hired Robert Mueller to head the criminal division of the Justice Department. He was the chief of the criminal division of the Justice Department that, uh, when he was appointed, was in the jurisdiction of the Financial Crime Enforcement Network. So Robert Mueller oversaw the Financial Crime Enforcement Network. So here is where Mueller comes in overseeing this investigation and ensures that the people of the United States that were in Senate, Congress, or some position somewhere, governors, whatever, and the Bushes were omitted. Why? Because the largest shareholder of this bank that had about 30% of this bank was 
the prime partner and investor of the Bush businesses. Now, here's the thing. In 1988, when all this stuff happened, George Herbert Walker Bush was running for president. This needed to go away. This needed to go away really, really quickly and very, very quietly. Now, earlier than that, right before the scandal broke, this is how they operate. Bush 41, who was vice president at the time in 82, before his um, first term, before his first term as vice president ended, his business partner, Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz, which had the majority share in this BCCI company, he merged all the Arbusto companies, 76, 77, um, into 79 and 80, okay? And it was him and Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz that had these companies. Now, when he did that, um, he, he merged these companies together and then created another company called Bush Exploration Limited Partnership, which was him and Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz. And that was then transferred ownership to his son, Bush 43. In 1984, after the elections, where his dad was once again vice president, Bush 43 merged that Bush Exploration Company with another energy company called Spectrum 7. So there was a merger. So once this merger happened, right out, wait, no, that happened right before the election. Right after the election, and once Vice President Bush was again Vice President, Bush 43, so Bush Jr., sold Spectrum 7 Energy Corp to Harkin Energy Corp., a more international company. And as in selling it, he got the position of director of Harkin Energy and was given a quarter million, uh, around a quarter million shares in it. So this company, huge. Guess who owned portion, a big portion of Harkin Energy? You got it. It was Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz, right? The same guy that owned BCCI, the same guy that his daughter was married to Osama bin Laden too, okay? We there yet? So now, we're fast-forwarding to 1988, where all this stuff is going, and Bush 41 is elected president. Once after he's elected president in 1989, he brokered this sweet-ass deal for Harkin Energy Corp. Super sweet. And here is where Bush 43, the director of the, this oil exploration company, Harkin Corp., which works, with, you know, which is also co-ownership co-owner, with Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz, who's already invested in other companies and in business with the Bushes all this time, and who's also a majority stakeholder in the BCCI Corrupt Bank. Let's call it the Bank of Corrupt Criminals, <laughs> right? So the Bank of Corrupt Criminals, oh, you know, majority owner, they're all in business together and 16 months in to Bush 41's, you know, presidency, Bush 43 drops all his shares. He sells them out and he makes a million dollars off of it. And just a little bit later, Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait and the stocks of Harkin Energy Corps tank. Now, 
The New York Post claimed that Robert Mueller in 9-11 was covering up for the Saudis. But here's where it gets interesting. How's he covering up for the Saudis when he already covered up for the Bush's connection to the Saudis with the BCCI. See, during this BCCI case, and here's what's funny, and during this civil suit that I'm talking about between White and Bath, there are sealed names, and there are names that are omitted, and that, in fact, is the Bushes. Um, so it seemed as if Mueller was hired into the Justice Department during that time just to fix that problem. So now when we fast forward to 9-11... Wait, 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 before I fast forward that fast. So we've got this case with BCCI, right? Uh, The guy is found guilty of actually having like a corrupt bank and doing corrupt things. But um, he's not found guilty in essence. They decide, no, 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 you're not guilty. Ooh, what happened there? So they decide, no, 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 you're not, you don't have to plead guilty. Even though we indicted you, you don't have to. Here's what it is. You won't admit to anything and just pay the Federal Reserve $225 million and let's call it quits. So in 1991, they shut down the bank. And in um, uh, 1993, it was determined so that he'll just pay the fine and that's it. Now, having said that, this is more than likely why Bush 41 didn't win re-election and the Clinton stepped in uh, because he had all this scrutiny over him and people back then and we don't remember now were that actually had weight and merit in their vote were like dude we're not getting behind you this is just BS you were part of this corrupt bank you fixed it but it's still a problem now the Clintons were too so the Clintons were the next best thing this is why they worked well so well together and remember Barr was also within these administrations so he saw everything Okay, he saw everything and he knows exactly who Mueller is. So now when 9-11 happens and the Saudis are involved, not only the Saudis, I can tell you it was more Qatar, okay, than anything. Um, Qatar, Sudan, Turkey, okay. It seems as if Mueller was throwing up roadblocks, right, into everything. And, you know, Paul Sperry puts it very nicely, and I'll I'll read it exact to how he put it. In fact, Mueller threw up roadblocks in the path of his own investigators working on the 9-11 case while making it easier for Saudi suspects to escape questioning, multiple case agents told me. Then he deep-sixed whatever evidence his agent did manage to uncover, according to the 9-11 lawsuit against the Saudis. It's because it wasn't the Saudis, guys. So here's the thing. Um... Mueller never actually had an oath of office, like I said, ceremony. He never did. His oath of office was BS. Never happened. I don't, I, I, there was no ceremony. I don't believe it. But let's pretend he did. He was in a hurry, though. So that meant that they were in a hurry to place Mueller there. Why? Because John O'Neill had told them that there was an attack planned and there was money collected and that Osama was really pissed and stuff was about to go down. Nobody listened to him. His testimony has never been brought forward to Congress. And this, I I don't know where it is, where his research is. Like I've been looking for years. So here's the deal. September. So at the end of August, he resigns from the FBI. He hears that Mueller may be coming in. He's like, "Mm, he's a dirty cop from Boston down to SF. Nope, nope. Nope, I'm out. I'm going to go to where I think the problem is going to be. And I'm going to get a security job. And I'm going to tell him, listen, I'm the best. I, you know, you've been World Trade Center bombing in 93. I think I would be the best here. And he gets the job. So he's not even a couple days into the job. And he supposedly dies at 9-11 because he was right. 
But even though he was right, and they all knew that he had said the Twin Towers were going to be attacked, instead of Mueller focusing his energy on deterring an attack that took the lives of thousands of people that day, that caused billions and billions of dollars in damage and traumatized not only the people of New York, but the people of the world with such an act. Instead of doing that, he focused on burying evidence. Because like I said in my first article, right, and I reiterate in this one, which my first one was on Laura Loomer's site, Mueller's Russia hoax investigation was more detailed and desperate for an outcome than 9-11. Well, I reiterate it here that between Tuesday, September 4th, when he took office until Friday, September 7th, all he did was hire, fire, and appoint a whole new counter-terror squad only to fly out to Houston and do what? Raid all of these Islamic charities. So basically, Bush 43's company profits that were generated with Saudi counterparts and others helped fund the 9-11 attack through these Islamic Relief and Holy Land Foundation charities and other ones. And the John O'Neill, the formerly deputy director of the FBI, and he was the leading expert on Osama bin Laden, knew about the attack, told him about the attack, said that they were going to be at the Twin Towers. That's why he got a job there. And no one did anything. Why? Because they were more interested in diverting the attention away from the Bushes. I mean, how would it look that your sitting president's dollars funded that attack really bad? So they were thinking, since we can't avoid the attack, let's use it to our benefit. We'll let them attack us. We'll hide any evidence that is linked to you and we'll take away their rights. Just let it happen. And that's why we saw the reaction we saw from Bush when he was told. He was covering the bin Laden and Bush family investments. So instead of him trying to counter whatever this attack was, he allowed them to execute that attack on U.S. soil. And more than that, when we find out, you know, during this investigation, I found out that Building 7, that everyone's like, well, why did that one fall? What happened there? The Islamic Relief Foundation and all these other charities had all their accounting and clientele information in that building. Ugh, totally makes sense. Think about it, you guys. These are the people that are constantly popping up and doing atrocious things to the people of the United States. I mean, when are we going to wake up and say no more? We did in 2016. And what we need to do is make it even louder and stronger and more valid and, you know, more, more solid in ground and engraved and embossed that we are in control and we will not allow people like that. No more swamp, no more deep state. Have a wonderful weekend. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. See you Monday. Town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.